0: Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you.
1: Welcome. Good to see you this morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, uh, how many of you are enjoying the darkness that continues to come when you get up in the morning? When you get home after work, it's getting darker all the time, uh, darkness. Anybody ever afraid of the dark when they were young? How many of us are still afraid of the dark a little bit, depending on where you're walking? That's right. Uh, so often in the night, I would have uh, nightmares. That was something that uh, I, particularly when I was young, I had them, um, and you would wake up and it's pitch dark and everything that looked a certain way normal, so to speak, uh, when you went to sleep suddenly looks way different and scarier. That, that uh, blanket that you put over the end of the bed now suddenly looks like somebody ready to, to get you or whatever it would be. The things that our imagination can do in the dark. Because in the dark that's and darkness, those are the times and the places that have kind of mystery. Things are happening in them. Things that are hidden. The, the villain is always dark. Is that not true? Think of Dracula. Well, don't think of Dracula too much, but Dracula, dark, black, everything like that. He only, he can't be in the daylight. He's afraid of garlic and all that kind of stuff. Then there's the guy, Darth Vader for the Star Wars people. And then there's the, the one in Lord of the Rings. What's his name again? I think it's Sauron, something like that. Then there's, in, in the reality of the world that we live in, the enemy of our souls as well. The darkness, darkness is this incredible thing that can shift our perspective if we're not careful. Things that are hidden. And we really live in a bit of a dark uh, time right now in our world. A lot of uncertainty, a lot of challenges in so many ways, and, and we probably are going to be in for some challenging times economically and financially for the next little while if Things continue to unfold as they seem to be right now. And then in the general culture of our world right now, there's a lot of division. There's a lot of an increasing antagonism towards the people of God, the followers of Jesus. Wars and rumors of wars and droughts and famines and floods and it seems to be dark and getting darker. And it could be very easy to begin to live based off the headlines. But based off what you read or what news station you listen to, could begin to form your perspective, and not only form your perspective, but begin to govern your life and your thought life. And as we think, so are we. So it's very important as Christ followers that we do not let darkness direct us, but we remind ourselves of this one thought, that Jesus came as light. John 1.5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Somebody's got it back there. Let's try that again. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish It, another version says, and it's so important to remind ourselves in the middle of dark times, wherever, whether that's personally, whether that's in your family, whether that's in your situation at work, whether it's in our world right now, that we remind ourselves that it's for times like this, very much like this, that Jesus came as light in the darkness. That's why Psalm 121 says, lift my eyes up unto the hills, because where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's why Colossians 3 says that I need to set my mind on things above, not on things on the earth. It says I need to set my heart on things above, not on things on the earth, because what is going on around me, if I allow it to get in me, it will begin to define me. Because no matter what's going on, we must remind ourselves that though it may be dark, the light has come. The light has come. He's not taking a nap. He's not wondering what's going on. He's not going, oh, what's going? That's happening? That surprised me. Jesus is moving. He's moving in the midst of darkness. He's moving in spite of darkness. He's overwhelming darkness. He's pushing back darkness. He's not going to be taken by darkness. And we remind ourselves of who he is. After he was crucified, and there was this period of time where the disciples, he had risen, but nobody had, not many had seen him yet, and they were wondering about it, and it says that they locked themselves in a room because they were afraid of what was out there, and so they locked themselves in a room, and in that space, they were locked up in fear, they were immobilized. They were irrelevant to the world around them because they had let the fear of what was out there start to lock them up. But in the midst of that locked up room where nobody else could seemingly get in, Jesus came into the room and said, peace be still. Peace be still. And I'm so grateful that in the spaces that we're in, whether we're on the high of a mountain, we're in a valley of challenge, that Jesus can come into the space that you're in, that your family is in, that our church is in, that the church of the nation is in, and say, peace be still. I'm still here. I have not gone anywhere. I've not abdicated my throne. I've not forgotten what I came for, that Jesus is here and doing and moving. Darkness is not gonna win the day. Darkness does not extinguish light. Darkness is not gonna snuff out the forward movement of the kingdom of God because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he said that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing in the world. So matter what might be happening and what uh, the, the news might be reporting, there is still a God who's moving forward in his plan and his purpose for the world. He has not fallen off his throne. In Matthew 5, Jesus said this to his followers, Matthew 5 and 16, in the same way, let your light, that's you and me, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. In other words, if you follow Jesus, the light of his very light is in you. And it's intended to shine through you by the good things that we do in a world. So even though there's darkness, the people of God do not shrink back, do not hold back, do not give up, do not abdicate their responsibility for the world. But we say through the power of the light of heaven that's inside me, I can do good things. And by my actions, push back darkness in my world. Some of you are going to believe that by the time we're done today. Because we see this throughout scriptures. We see it in Romans 12 and 21. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with... Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with... Good. So the good things that you do, the kindness that you show, the love that you show in the face of hate, the, the way that you give, the way that you're generous with your time, however you might be doing good things, it's a powerful pushback to darkness. It is not insignificant. It is not irrelevant. It is not just something that somebody a thought should do, be good and be kind to animals. It is actually part of God's process for pushing back darkness. You are part of the answer for a world gone crazy. Because we have an unchanging mission for an ever changing world. We don't retreat, we don't hide, we don't withdraw, We don't give up. We don't move ourselves out of the fray. We move into the fray. That has been the message and story of the church throughout generation after generation after generation after generation. People who stood in the middle of difficulties and said, I will not be moved. People who stood in the middle when everybody else was running out of a city filled with disease. Christians were running into the city and caring for the poor and caring for the lonely and caring for the diseased and say, I'll be with you until you're done. That has been the message of the church and it's when the church is at its best when we refuse to let darkness define us. Jesus modeled this Because the great love of God is for people is unchanging. The promises of God for you are unchanging. The power of the Holy Spirit that's resident within his people is unchanging. The moving of God through the world is unchanging. That Jesus is still moving. That people are still coming to know him. That addicts are still being set free. That people who are caught in darkness are coming into light. That that's the power of the light of Jesus moving in the world. Jesus modeled this himself in Acts 10 and 38. We know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. The same as he has anointed every one of his followers with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus modeled and showed us the way. We don't retreat in the middle of it. We go, he says, it says he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil or under the oppression of the devil. Not only did Jesus model it, he mandated it for us. In Matthew 28 and 19 and 20, Jesus' last kind of words and just before he returned to heaven, he said to his people, to his disciples, therefore go, somebody say go, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. What a huge, incredible mandate that Jesus has given us. It does not allow us to step back. It does not allow us to withdraw. It does not allow us to give up because he said the nations need to be reached. There are people groups that need to be reached and he was telling this to people that had never seen a train, had never been on a plane or dreamt of one, who lived in a tiny uh, little nation called Israel that that was under subjugation and he said to them through you you're going to start something that's going to change the world, that's going to make a difference, that's going to cause people to, that are far from God to come to know God, that's going to see marriages restored, that's going to see hope brought back to people that's going to see the people brought out of the gutter of despair you're going to do something that's incredible because i have called you to it i've mandated you to it and i'm empowering you to do it and here we sit because they obeyed knowing jesus because they said i'm going to do it and not only that jesus made us for it not only did he model it for us he mandated he made us for it you were made to make a difference You were made to make a difference. You were made to make a difference in the world. Whoever you are, whatever space you occupy, whatever space you've, or whatever situations you've gone through, that you are made to make a difference. And the war of hell against your life has been because he wants to stop you from being that one who makes a difference. Ephesians 2 and 10. And I'm talking fast this morning, I know because I'm excited because there's lots to talk about, and it's going to be good. And, and you'll listen again on YouTube or something, if you have to if the English is your second or third language, I apologize in advance. At least we put the scriptures up there. If you don't, you don't even hear me, read this. We are made for this. We are for you, say that's me are God's handiwork. In other words, God's hand is on your life. He's marked you for his purpose. He's put gifts in you. He's put anointing on you. He's lifting you out of situations. His handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works which he prepared in advance for you to do. In other words, they're out there that you haven't walked into them. He's already gone ahead of you. When you're just starting, he's already finished. When you're just beginning wondering, what's my life gonna be? God is already down at the end saying, come on. There's so much for you right now. We have an unchanging mission in an ever-changing world. An unchanging mission in an ever-changing world. That's why every November we have this legacy series where we talk about how God is using you to change and, sorry, to turn the light on in the world and bring change and hope in the name of Jesus all around. You might have seen a card on your seat this morning. Uh, that's, it says legacy pledge. And on November the 20th, we're going to take an offering and we're going to receive pledges to say, how are we going to do what God's called us to do? Because over the next couple of weeks, November, when we take that offering on November the 20th, we're believing God that we're gonna continue to be able to fund, to raise tens upon tens of thousands of dollars to help feed people, to help widows and orphans, to visit the prisoner, to uh, educate those that don't have an opportunity for education, to come alongside rural pastors in Africa, to plant churches in Thailand, to, to plant churches in our region, to, to see people fed, to, to see liberty come into places where there's no, to see hope be restored to people because legacy is about living and doing our part in God's great story. We can't do everything, but we can do what he calls us to do it means that we will have an impact far beyond us for God as Matthew 5 and 16 says and let your light so shine before men why that they may see your good works why so that they would glorify your father in heaven cuz that's what it's about it's about a legacy for Jesus it's about giving him an inheritance of sons and daughters it's about bringing people who are far from him that they would know him it's about saying to people that say there is no god yes there is as you see the good works that are done in the name of Jesus for his goodness Uh, to be shown in the world we might never meet the people that are touched because it's not about us it's about the eternity Jesus healing hearts Jesus meeting needs Jesus making a difference through us with the good news and hope that he brings because darkness is being pushed back hell is retreating in the face of good works we have an unchanging mission in an ever-changing world You're saying, Pastor, this is really great, but do you really think that this is the time to be asking for money and asking people to be boldly generous? Because I don't know if you know what's going on out there. Have you seen what things are like? Giving, generosity, raising money, what are you talking about? It's dark out there, Pastor. Am I gonna have enough? Will I be able to pay the bills? I hope I don't miss a day of work because I don't know if I will be. I wonder if my retirement is gonna be okay. I'm not sure if I will have enough to replace the worn clothes of my children. The interest rates are rising. My credit card balance is going up. My rent has gone up. My, everything has gone up. I go to buy food and it's more than it was last week. Food costs are stressing me out. And this is a survey recently showed that one in five Canadian families are missing meals right now to meet basic expenses. The food bank visits in March, 2022 are 35% higher than they were in March, 2019. So come on, pastor, please don't, why don't you talk about something else? Like being kind to my neighbor or who is the beast of revelation or how many angels can be on the top of a head of a pin? Talk about something else, but not this. Maybe you brought a friend this morning and you're like, Good Lord, pastor, is today the day I finally got my courage up to bring my friend and you're talking about money. Or you're visiting and you're like, I see, I told you. All they wanna do is talk about money. Told you that, I should be leaving right now, but everybody will look at you now, so don't do it now, it's too late. It's too late. But for all of you, if you may be feeling a little bit untoward, just put your head between your knees, breathe deeply in through your nose, out through your mouth, and maybe something will fall from the ceiling, which put a, help yourself first, put that mask on. But in all seriousness, the reality is that many of us are stressing about, many of us are worried about money and finances, might not be sleeping well. You might be feeling the pressure, the stress, the worry. And even 2,000 years ago with no TV, With no banks, with very little to go on, no modern conveniences to stress them out, the basic human needs of security were of for need for security was there, and it's still here today. So I want you to give us a chance this morning and look at how Jesus deals with this issue of money and worry. Because if we can deal with this, then anything is possible when it comes to generosity and giving. Jesus is teaching the way his kingdom works in Matthew 6 and 24 to 34. Say no one can serve, or I'm reading, so don't say, because that's my turn. Because no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So he doesn't stay there. Therefore, in other words, because I've just told you that, that you can't serve God in money, therefore, I will tell you, do not worry. Say, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. Am I, is Jesus preaching to anybody today? Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, or tomorrow was thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, those people who don't know God, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all the things that are stressing you, worrying you, your food, your clothes, your uh, ability to, to have a home, all of those kinds of things, all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus is talking to us, all of us, about how to live in a world gone crazy in this fight between money and him. What, why is he making it about God and money? Why is he drawing that? Because he's addressing a very common issue that is still an issue today. Money and worry and the stress and the anxiety about money, possessions, what we have, how much we don't have, what's going on. And you see, Jesus understood something. He wasn't shy about talking about money. He, uh, in fact, he talked about it a lot and he hi- highlighted the battle we experience between God and money. We'll tell you why in a moment. But 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus preached about were concerned about how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, approximately, that's the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In those four books, about one in 10 verses deal directly with money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer about, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Why? Because in the New Testament, Jesus said it this way. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart, or there your heart will also be. Wherever you invest your finances, your time, your treasure, a force pulls your heart along with it. So Jesus' point is, is, hey, guys, you don't have a money issue. You don't have an inflation issue. You don't have a supply issue. You don't have a job issue. You don't right now have the issue that you think is an issue. I know it looks like that. I know it feels like that. But there's a battle for your heart between God and money. Every one of us. And God says it's about the heart. Because whatever has our heart has our life. Whatever has our heart has our life. So God doesn't need our money, but he desperately desires our heart because it's from the heart that our life is changed. Not from the external, but from the inside out. When Jesus has full access to our heart, then things can begin to cook with gas in our life. Not literally, but I think you know what I mean. So, because when our heart is surrendered to him, he can begin to address the fear. He can begin to address the anxiety. He can begin to address how to do what you need to do. The stress. The stress. So in verse 28, when Jesus asked that question, why do you worry about clothes? It's about more than clothes. It's a good question. Why are you feeling that? And in a time when many of us feel worry or stress or I'm not sure what's happening, it's dark out there, Craig. Feelings are great servants, but they are terrible masters. Feelings are meant to be indicators, not dictators. In other words, Chris Vallotton said it this way. While feelings are extremely valuable, it's important to recognize that how we feel isn't always how we are. And what we feel isn't who we are. It's just what we feel. Feelings and emotions, though, are very important. They're not meant to be stuffed. They're not meant to be ignored. They're not meant to be vented on somebody else in some violent way. But they're valuable signposts for us from our soul. And they tell us some helpful information. And if we process them, they help us to understand what we need from God, what we need from others, and what we need from ourselves. I want to encourage you to prayerfully practice asking yourself these three questions. Chris Vallotton was helpful with my preparation this week. These three questions that are going to come up here. As you process emotions around money and and not just money, any negative emotion, why am what am I feeling right now? Sometimes we don't want to stop and acknowledge it because once we acknowledge it we got to do something with it. So stuffing it is often a pattern that we do. What am I feeling? Maybe it's anxiety. Then the next question, not just to name it, but then why am I feeling this right now? Why am I feeling this? Is it because I was? food prices have gone up? Maybe you struggled as a child in a home where there was hardly enough food. Maybe it's just fear that you'll be alone to take care of all of it by yourself. Maybe you have a deep-seated fear that one day you'll be on the street or you won't have enough to eat. Then the next question is super important. What am I going to do about the way I feel? So the feeling is just giving you a sign. Hey, it's not directing you what to do. Then you stop and take a moment with Jesus and ask him, Lord, what do you want to do? Someone said this in a talk I was with some other people this past week. They said, I need to start to take my cares to Jesus instead of taking them to bed. Is it asking for advice from a friend? Is it talking to a credit counselor? Is it looking for a better job? I don't know. But the feeling that you might feel in that moment is an indicator that God wants to help you and come alongside and reveal what you actually need. Not just stuffing it or venting it or ruminating over it, but what am I feeling? Why am I feeling that? And what am I gonna do about that? All processing that prayerfully with Jesus. Because when it comes to money, why am I worried? It's an important question. It's rarely just about the money. It's about something deeper. It's about the heart. I know when, when I worry that worry exposes me. Worry exposes a belief that my success and my resources are up to me. That I'm by myself in this. That God's there, but really it's up to me. Worry exposes gaps in my connection with Jesus. Worry is a signal to me that I might not trust God as much as I think I do. It's not a shame thing. It's just worry is a signpost to remind me that I need to draw near to Jesus a little bit more. I may need to cast my cares and my anxieties on him, my disappointments, because I need to know him and trust him deeply because his light overcomes the darkness that I might be feeling foreboding in front of me. And we continue on to verse 32, where Jesus notes that the people who don't know God are on the run, running after all these things. Running after provision, running after the job, running after housing, running after the side hustle, running after how they're going to meet their needs, running, running, running. Stressed, no peace, anxiety, insomnia, ulcers, all the things. And doesn't it sound like our culture today encourages us and pushed us? So Jesus makes this incredible statement that changes everything in the battle for our hearts between God and money. In the middle of the running, in the middle of wondering what I'm gonna do, how I'm gonna do it, Jesus makes this statement in verse 33. But seek first, somebody say first, his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things that you've been stressing about will be given to you as well. Not running, not worrying, not striving. Jesus started out this whole section about talking about the pull between our money and God. And now we're starting to dial in a bit and say that the way to win the battle for your heart is this. Put God first in your finances because it's about the heart. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. See, how do I put God first in my finances though? It's not the only thing I can do. But if you want God to bless something, put him first in it. I think I said it last week. If you want God to bless your marriage, put him first in your marriage. If you want God to bless your business, put him first in your business. If you want God to bless your university, where you're working at, what you're striving to do, put him first in it. And God can then move through, bless you in that way. If you want God to be, see God's blessing in your finances, put God first in it. So how do you do that? How do you put God first in your finances and win the battle for your heart? There's a money principle that is taught throughout scripture, but I'm gonna focus on just two verses, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, and we're, we're almost done. Everybody say, we're almost there, Pastor. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first, somebody say first, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Notice that it doesn't just tell us to honor God with our gifts, with our words. We should do that with our time or with our talents. We should do all that. We get to do all that. But the Bible says to honor God with our what? Wealth. The Bible says, with the first fruits of all your increase. See, there's a word for putting God first in our our finances. It's called tithing. Tithing is returning the first 10% of my income to God. Woo! Some of you just did a calculation. You're like, if I did that much, it's gonna change everything. Amen. It's gonna change everything. Now, here's the thing. It takes trust to put God first not the leftovers, not, not what's left after I've gone to dinner and I've paid all my bills and all that, but I put him first at the very beginning because then it says, God, it's not all up to me. This stuff that I have to deal with right here, I need your help and I'm saying you're the Lord of it all and so I'm putting you first because I need your help. So when I take that step of faith, God, I need your help. Everything in, in me might scream to hold back, but I will choose to put you first. See, the th- second thing, if you're taking notes, is this, is that tithing is giving to God my first and my best so that he can bless the rest. It's not just a lose-lose, but tithing is giving to God my first and my best so that he can bless the rest. How many of you want to see the blessing of God on the rest? Because he can make it go further. He can... I'll tell you what, when, when I was young, there, I, had, I had some junky cars over the years. And sometimes I would go to start my car and it would not start. And I, <laughs> I am 100% being serious. I will lay my hands on the dash and I will say, Listen, car, I'm a tither of God. And I need you to start right now. I've got to go to work and make some money so I can feed my family. So you're going to start. Do you hear me? You think you're a nut? I don't know. Boom, it started and I went to work. I don't know. But as we worship him with our tithe, the proverb continues on. Your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Tithing opens your finances to be supernaturally blessed and multiplied in only the way that God can do. Now, don't somebody do what this. Oh, I get it. Tithing is like putting a token into a slot machine. I'm gonna pull something and boom, the jackpot's coming out. Don't you go away and say, I said that. Because the blessing of God on your life can show up in so many ways. It can show up in him bringing healing to your marriage. It can show up in him bringing some strength to you to make it through the day. It can show up in friendship with people you do life together. It can show up with a ministry where you can make a difference. It might show up in there having a peaceful, restful heart because he's in charge. But I also don't want to discount the fact that the reality is one of the blessings of God is also financially And God may just want to bless you financially as you're faithful to tithe and give. So I can tell, I can see tithers in the room because they're the ones that are nodding their heads. They're smiling. They're saying, yeah, because I've seen it happen to me too. God has proven himself faithful again and again and again when I've chosen to put him first. Finally, tithing teaches me to put God first. The New Living Bible in Deuteronomy 14 and 23 says this. The purpose of the tithe is to, teach you to always put God, is it somewhere? Is it going to show up? I don't know. The purpose of the tithe is to teach you always to put God first in your life. Deuteronomy 14 and 23 in the Living Bible. It's to teach us to put God first. Eugene Cho said it this way, a pastor in Seattle, generosity is what keeps the thing I own from owning me. About the heart, in other words, generosity isn't just intended to bless others, although that will happen, it's also to liberate me. For me to put God first in my finance, Pastor, I'd have to reprioritize my life completely around God. You get it? You see what God's at? I would have to reprioritize my life completely around God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. You would have to sacrifice something to put your God first. Yes, you would. And your life will be forever changed. And that's the point. It's about the heart. God doesn't need your money, but he desperately needs your heart. And you need to surrender your heart fully to Jesus. I'm gonna share some stories about the difference it makes when we put God first in our finance. things that have already happened and will happen to the end of this year. Every year we send gifts to George Vanier. I think they're gonna come up here. George Valley is our local adopted school. One of the cities, or one of the schools, identified by the school district as pov- uh, having issues around poverty. And over the past year, we gave 589 gifts to students there. Every student in the school got a gift. These are kids that are new immigrants, children of the working poor, those on social assistance, some people in challenging circumstances, single parent homes. And then last, this past year in 2022, we made the decision to, to give weekend hampers to 25 families. And if you can believe this, 25 hampers each week equals, someone put up the next one, 750 meals every week. 750. So in a month, how much is that? 3,000 meals. Over the course of 2022, your generosity, being faithful in tithing and generous in your giving, 36,000 meals given the last year, $36,000. i will pull that back a little bit. Amazing. There's a little video I think that's going to be shown from the principal of George Vanier just to say thanks to all of you. We showed this last year, but it was so good. Let's see if it happens.
0: Hi, everybody. My name's Leanne McBride, and I am so fortunate to be the principal at this wonderful school. George Vanier is an amazing environment where we have diverse cultures that all come together to learn. We have been incredibly fortunate to have a community partner in Horizon Church. I have been the principal at the school for three years, and when I first stepped in to this school, I was so blessed to have a meeting in my early days with our uh, members of the Horizon Church, and I discovered their, uh, the, the amazing work that they do to bring everybody together, particularly our most vulnerable kids and families. Some clear examples of how the church worked together with our school are they provide amazing hampers, food hampers, once a week to our most vulnerable families, And in a truly amazing gift, at Christmas time, the Horizon Church brings all of their volunteers together and provides a Christmas gift to every single child in our school, which is no small feat considering we have 600 learners that attend our school every day. Last year, we all went through a lot of. tough times. And with COVID and some health concerns from all of us, there were some difficult times. And I was so heartened by the fact that our relationship with the Horizon Church still remained strong despite all of the challenges we went through. And examples of this are the way that Horizon came into our school and provided a little bit of a treat, coffee, tea, muffins, just to say, we're thinking of you, we're here for you, and we're all working together. On behalf of the entire school community, my students and staff, we want to say a profound thank you to all of the amazing uh, workers who support Horizon and most of all support us. And we look forward to our continued partnership for many more years to come. Thank you so much.
1: Awesome, yeah. Something new, we started this year, Pearls of Hope, which is uh, bags, like backpacks for people going through cancer treatments. It's not an empty backpack. It's got all kinds of things in there that are specific for people undergoing cancer treatment. We sent out 30 this year, so far this year. Uh, most locally, but also to four provinces in Canada and also uh, overseas as well. And uh, that is because of your generosity. And um, we want to be ready. Uh, We're not hoping this happens, but we have, if you know of anybody that uh, needs one that is going through cancer, hello at Horizon Church. We also have 10 ready if there's any children that would be in that difficult, difficult situation. We pray and we help practically at the same time. And as well, coming up, uh, we have our Christmas angels and hampers. Last year, we gave 211 gifts, individual gifts to kids. 50 hampers, which equaled out to, I think it's going to come up. How many in a year? How many was it? Oh, that's over there. 10,500. Here's the math for 50 times 14 times three a day for a family of five. Another 10,500 meals. Wow. Wow. Darkness being pushed back. And then even through uh, the last, well, it's been a number of years, but every Friday we provide uh, the the meal for at at Night Shift Street Ministries up in the uh, city center area of Surrey. And we provide there the soup. It's made here in our cafeteria. And uh, that means approximately 200 cups of soup. And over the course of a year, Over a week, I think they have it, 800 a month, and it's 10,400 because there's 52 weeks. 10,400 meals or cups of soup given out every week because you are faithful to return to tithe and give generously of your offering. And I believe there's also a Night Shift Street video.
2: The warehouse manager now at Night Shift, uh, but I'm also a Friday night leader. I have been leading every Friday night now for about uh, eight years and um, why do I serve at night shift? Well, I have three reasons, and I'll go tell you them briefly. One is because of love, and not my love, but the love that God has shown me, and that love compels me to serve, and that's my main reason for serving at night shift. The other reason is is because Jesus is there, and there's a little story behind that, and uh, one day I was driving home, and I was a little ticked off at God, because one of our street friends, who I had gotten to know on over the past eight years, had died of an overdose. And uh, he had committed his life to Christ, but still struggled with addiction. His name was Danae. And uh, so I was a little ticked off with God and asking him like, why do you do this, God? Why do we go out there night after night and we learn to love these people and we get to know them and then they die? And it's so hard on us. And, and as I was driving down the road, it was just like God was sitting right beside me in the passenger seat and he whispered into my ear, because Jesus is there. And then I remembered the verse, I was cold and he gave me something warm to wear. I was hungry and he fed me. And then I began to cry. And so that's my second reason for serving, because Jesus is there. The third reason is, is because the Bible exhorts us to find out what pleases God. And when we find that out, just to simply do it. I could share quite a few stories, but I'll share the story of Mike. Um, Mike lived on the strip behind Night Shift where it was Tent City for a few years. And um, Mike lived in a self uh, little thing he made, a little cart, Not, it, it, it was almost a little bit bigger than a coffin and that's what he slept in every night. And it was on wheels and he could tow it with his bike. And uh, Mike was a user. And uh, but he became a believer, and um, and and Mike will tell you if you see him or if you ever meet him, he's alive today because of night shift, because of of what uh, the meals that he received there, and that was his, usually his only meal during the day. And now he works actually for the city of Surrey. He's been clean now for five years, and uh, so we just. Uh, and he gives all the glory to God as well. So we, we, we're just thankful for Mike. I would just like to say thank you for Horizon Church. You have always supported us, and we are always and have always been thankful for that. So good. I invite you to stand to your feet.
1: So between now and the 20th, I want you to be praying about how you should respond. Paul talks to the people of Corinth. I think it's in Corinthians where he talks to them. He says, we should not give under compulsion. But he didn't let us off the hook and say we shouldn't give. The challenge is to pray and ask God. Not because of your heartstrings are being tugged. Not because, no, ask Jesus. Take the pressure off of, of yourself and just allow Jesus to talk to you. And let him speak to you about what you how what you should do and how you should respond because some of you are going to be challenged to take the step of faith and for the first time in a long time maybe you've been not doing it for a while maybe you have never done it and taken a step to return to tithe some of you are going to for the first time start being regular in your giving and some of you are going to not just be emotional in your giving but you're going to be intentional in your giving Because the story of God is still being written in the world. Light is overcoming darkness through your generosity for the good deeds being done. That's how we bring change to the world. Little by little, a cup of soup by cup of soup, a meal by a hamper, by sharing kindness, by sharing hope and love in the middle of it all. Wherever we're at, because some of us might be in that space ourselves needing some help. There's going to be hampers coming up. If you need help, Email prayer at horizonchurch.ca and we'll see what we can do. But let us not, any of us, forget about what this is all about. We're gonna close with singing that song we sang at the beginning, Tribes, that every tongue, every tribe, every people group, everybody that, that is in our city would have the privilege of knowing about Jesus. And we're talking just about local stuff this week. We'll talk more in the next couple of weeks. But what a privilege it is to know Jesus. Anybody else can agree with that in the room. What a privilege it is to be loved by him. What a privilege it is to join with him in doing whatever he's created us to do to see the world change through the power of goodness and kindness and the love of Jesus being displayed.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.